Well, today we're, and it, by the way, my name's Glenn Griner. I'm just privileged to work here at Union Chapel. I love being your pastor. It's a privilege to be bringing God's word to you today, and I'm so encouraged by this series. And I must confess, I named this series Making Happy. And I know that there's some people who's like, oh, making happy, what in the heck is that about? It's like, happy's not good, happy's bad. We, we got to get rid of happy so that we can, we can follow God. And, and, but really, it's, what we're doing is we're, we're taking the world's concept of happy and turning it on its head. Actually, what we're doing is we're taking the world's concept of happy and turning it right side up. Because happiness is all about our connection with Jesus. Happiness is all about connecting with God and being made in him, being renewed by him. In fact, the first week, we talked about this two weeks ago, we talked about making happy, how we need a better kind of happy. And if you were here, you walked out with this thought, okay, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that's a good word. And didn't do, Pastor Jeff, didn't he do a great job last week of unpacking the statements of Jesus as he talked about, you know, the measure that you use is the measure that comes back to you. You know, if Jesus was a rapper, he would have said, the measure you use is the measure you choose. And so he talked about giving a life of generosity and how open-hearted, open-handed living brings the blessing of God in your life. And today we're going to talk about completing your joy. And so our discussion today comes from John 15. We're going to begin reading in verse 5. So thumb your way there in your Bible. If you've got the paper book, you can open that up. And here at Union Chapel, we stand in honor of reading God's Word. So if you're able, please join me on your feet as we respect the Word of God. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy The joy of Jesus may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thank you. You may be seated. Yes, we'll applaud for God's word. That's a good word, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's the most important thing we will talk about today for sure. And so this whole series and this message, it's a call, a call to find yourself in something bigger than yourself or a call to find yourself in someone bigger than you. And that someone, his name is Jesus. And he has a plan for your life that will blow your mind. He has a plan for your life that will bring more contentment, more fulfillment, more peace, more rejoicing than you could ever, ever imagine. 
And so the challenge for us is not to settle for anything less than the complete joy that Jesus offers. In fact, Jesus said these words back in John 10. He said, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, life in all of its fullness. And so when Jesus tells us, he tells us that, that our joy can be complete. This is an astounding offer. You can have Jesus' joy. <laughs> like the joy that Jesus has, you can have that. And you can have complete joy as well. And so here's the million-dollar question that we all have to answer, including me. Are we going to settle for less than what Jesus is offering us? Because we all know there's things that can provide some happiness. There's things we can chase after and run after that, you know, provide some contentment and maybe joy. I guess you could call it that, but it's incomplete, isn't it? And so Jesus is calling us to walk away from those impulses that we have, to walk away from those things that, that pull us away from him so that we can have his true, complete joy. Well, this leads us to our first thought today. See it on the screen. Complete your joy, remain in Jesus. Remain in Jesus. Did you know that the word remain, Jesus used this 11 times in just seven verses. And why does Jesus use the word remain so much? He repeats himself a lot in these verses, just so you know. And he repeats remain more than any of the other words that he repeats. Because I think it's because he gets us. He knows that we have this, these impulses that, and we disconnect from him. It's like, oh, I got to get connected back to him. Oh, it has happened again. Oh, no. And so Jesus knows that we can be kind of, uh, he knows we can be a little scatterbrained. And there's this little part of me. Um, I have kind of an odd sense of humor. Um, wouldn't it be great? to bring the disciples back right here in our time and then send them off for psychological testing, like getting ready for school. Now, how many of the disciples, you know, they're gonna have attention deficit disorder. And that should give all of us comfort because Jesus says, remain, 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 because he knows, he knows we're all ADD at some point or another and that it's hard for us to remain connected to him. It's, that's difficult for us to do, isn't it? And so Jesus, he's got your back. Now, just by the way, I don't want to, you know, disparage Simon Peter or anything, but you know, Simon Peter, he has to be high definition, attention deficit disorder. Don't you know what I'm talking about? Oh man, oh man. But Jesus is saying, I get you, I get you. It's okay, it's okay. Remain in me, remain in me. And so Jesus says, I'm the vine, we are the branches and we know how this works. Branches that get disconnected from the vine, they start to die and start to wither. Now, it's not like instant. It takes a little while. And so some, some scholars suggest that, you know, when they talk about the dried branches that fall to the ground, they're swept up and burned, that that's a reference to the judgment of God. And whether or not they're right, here's something, something that happens in us when we disconnect from Jesus, something in us starts to die. When we separate ourselves from God, something in us starts to wither and dry up. And think about this, friends, until you remain in Jesus, your joy is incomplete. It is. Until you remain in him, your joy is incomplete. In fact, in week one, we talked about how we were created, hardwired and designed to give glory to God. And when we do that, that's how we experience his goodness, his grace and his love and his joy. It's a wonderful thing. And so the goal that we have, this goal, constant contact with Jesus. That's what remaining is. 
Uh, Other passages might translate this word abide. You want to live in Jesus. You want to stay connected to him. And there's a little verse, three little verses from 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 16, 17, and 18. I want you to see those up on the screen. I think they give us a really good idea of what it means to remain in Jesus. And it says, rejoice always, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's his will for us. And the first week, we talked about some spiritual disciplines. We talked about the purpose of spiritual disciplines. Just so you know, spiritual disciplines, they're prayer, they're Bible reading, they're solitude, they're getting alone with God. They're, they're all these things, uh, even fasting and all those things that we do in fellowship and sharing those spiritual disciplines, the point of them isn't to do those things. The point of them is so that we can experience more of God's joy. Well, those spiritual disciplines, they're the same things that help you remain connected to Jesus. That's the point of them is that you remain connected to him. And so be patient. This is a slow process. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And so if you get your stopwatch out and you you set the time where you go, okay, how long does it take for the sap to flow through the grapevine into the branches. Well, that process, that process isn't very fast, is it? It's kind of slow, isn't it? It takes a while. It takes a while. We have to be patient. I mean, what if, like this impatient part of me, would rather have Jesus use the illustration. You know, we had the lights going off and on. So what if Jesus said, I'm the electricity and you are the light bulb? I like that. That's fast. Or this would be my favorite one. This is the one that Jesus would use. Are we okay? Oh, okay. Oh, she's turning the projector. Good. Good. So we can see. Thanks. And so, no. So back up here. It's okay. Back up here. Back up here. You don't want to miss this part. It's worth a laugh. It's worth a laugh. And so here we are. What if Jesus had used this illustration? What if instead of I am the vine and you are the branches, he said, I am the lightning and you are the thunder. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like screensaver worthy right there. That's, we're putting that on every T-shirt that we have because, you know, Jesus is like, I move at the speed of light and I come to you at the speed of sound. But no, he has to use this analogy of water and nutrients creeping through a vine. So we want to remain connected to him. And so here's the thing, friends. Be determined. Be determined to remain connected in Jesus. It doesn't happen as fast as you want or how you want, but if you remain connected to him, it is going to happen. Which leads us to our second thought today, and maybe it'll come up on the screen, not sure. Here it comes. But hey, this is a a summer sermon. I mean, it doesn't get any easier than this. And of course, you can download the Union Chapel app and have that at your fingertips as well. Here it is. Complete your joy, love like Jesus. Look, I could walk off the stage right now. We could be done. Don't get excited. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) We've got to love like Jesus. And so Jesus mentions the word remain 11 times. How many times does he mention the word love? 10 times. It's all about love. If you remain in Jesus, you'll love the things that he loves. You'll love the people that he loves. The things that he cares about, they'll be the things that you care about. And think about the people that Jesus loves. Who does Jesus love? He loves everyone. Perhaps you've heard of the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And he said, but God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Yeah, Jesus loves the people you love, and he even loves the people that you don't love. He loves us all. So here's two non-negotiables for every single person who claims to follow Jesus. The first one is this, love God. And the second one is this, love people. Love God, love people. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to live for him. And we get all worked up. We get confused sometimes. I've had people come up to me and say, Glenn, I don't really identify with this person and I disagree with him about this. And I want there to be peace and I want to talk to him about some things. What do I say? What do I do? I have the same answer for him every time. Just love them. Love God and love them. And they go, oh, okay. All right. Love God and love them. Jesus said, he said these words, these are the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the most, if you can love, then you've got it down. You're doing it right. Love wins every time. Here's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It says that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And then he drops a bomb and he says this, love never fails. Because love wins every time. Because true love, perfect love, comes from God himself through you and through me. And when you think about how God's love, how we experience his joy through his love, remember, we're remaining in Jesus and what's in him gets in us. And so the love that's in him comes in us. The compassion that's in him comes into us. The joy that's in him comes. And so the best way for you to experience the love of God is to let it flow through you. And that will make your joy complete, friends. And there's this little concept that I want to talk about a little bit. And we don't often think about this concept when we're talking about joy. But I want you to see this statement on the screen that Jesus, he invites you to care about the things and the people that he cares about. So you're the branch. Jesus is the vine. You're connected to him. Jesus is flowing through you. His character, his goodness, his passions, and his desires. And there's this whole concept of the things that are important to Jesus and even the concept of rejoicing that Jesus talks about. And I think there's a series of parables in Luke 15 that kind of give us a better understanding of what this joy is like and what causes this rejoicing. And these three parables, they're uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And so Jesus talks about the lost sheep, and he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. That's a lot of sheep. And you lose one. Don't you leave the 99 behind until you find your lost sheep. And when you find the lost sheep, you put that sheep on your shoulders, you're singing and dancing, and you throw a party when you get back home. It's a celebration. Here's what Jesus said about that lost sheep that's been found. Jesus said, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And he didn't even take a breath. And he said, suppose there's a woman who has 10 coins and she lost one of her coins. And just so you know, coins in the day, often they would be tied to like a necklace. You couldn't leave it in your house because your house wasn't secure. And so they would carry their savings account around on their necks. This is their security, their future. This is their retirement. They're holding around their necks. And so a tenth of her retirement is just gone. And so, you know, she's like turning on the flashlight on her cell phone and she's got the Dyson vacuum cleaner out and she's going under everything until she finally finds that coin. And then she finds the coin. 
and she has a big celebration and a party and invites her friends over. Here's what Jesus says. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then Jesus told perhaps the most profound and well-known of these, the lost son. See, there was a father. He had two sons. And the younger son came to him and says, hey, dad, I want my inheritance right now. Yeah, the money I'm going to get when you die. I know you're not dead, but I want that money now. And the father says, okay. And he gives the money to his son. What does his son do? He squanders it. He spends it on prostitutes and every awful thing you could think of, he does. And he finally comes to his senses. He's sleeping with pigs. And he's so hungry that he's, he can't wait to eat the trash that's been left out for the pigs. And this thought comes to his mind. He says, you know what? My dad's servants, they've got enough to eat. They have a bed to sleep in. Maybe my dad will let me come home and just be one of his servants and get me out of this. And so he's on his way home. He doesn't even get a chance to share his speech with his dad because what happens? His dad comes running to him and he embraces him and he takes him home. He doesn't just give him new clothes. He gives him the best clothes in the house and he takes the expensive ring off of his finger and he puts it on his son's finger. He doesn't just have a party. He kills the fatted calf and he invites everybody and there's this huge celebration. But the older son, he's really hurt because he says, you know, I've been your son. I've been a good son and I've never asked for anything. And then my younger brother comes and he just squanders all your money and you killed a cat fatted calf for him and you've never even given me a skinny goat. And so he's all mad and this is what the father said to the son. He said, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to be glad. We had to rejoice because this brother of yours who was dead is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. There's two invitations in these parables when you look at it through the concept of joy. The first one is that you can come to Jesus. You can come to Jesus right now whether you're tuning in, whether the stink of shame is on your life because the devil, he's whispering in your ear, you can't come to him right now. You've got to get this cleaned up. You've got to take care of this. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, he loves you like that father. He's running out to you. He's running out to you. Maybe you're too ashamed to even walk into the church. Jesus is running to you. Whether you're sitting in your living room right now, he's running to you and inviting you to offer yourself to him because it doesn't matter if you don't have it figured out, you can come to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're confused or you're hurt or you're afraid, you can come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the first invitation. And the second invitation, it's to all of you, all of us who know Jesus and love him. And the invitation is this, let Jesus break your heart. Because think about the celebrations that happened. Think about the tension that happened that made the rejoicing. The cause of the party for the coin, for the sheep, and for the son was that something that was lost had been found. And there's brokenness and pain when we let the love of Jesus flow into us. When you remain in Jesus, his compassion flows into you. And he wants to move through you to draw people to himself. I want to help you unpack this whole concept of fruit a little bit. In John 15, I want to put John 15, 5 on the screen. And Jesus said these words. He said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that's a whole sermon right there. <laughs> and then again, he talks about in John 15, 8, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. And then John 15, 16, Jesus kind of fully explains it a little bit more. 
which you see is on the screen. Jesus says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Friends, the fruit that Jesus is referring to here is souls. It's people, people in your life. And you can think, well, what about the fruit of the Spirit? Yes, the fruit of the Spirit is there. And the fruit of the Spirit is moving in and through us. It's something that God gives us to move through us. But fruit that lasts, fruit that lasts can't be anything else but people. It can't be anything else but souls. In other words, the love of God flows into your life as you remain in him. And he begins to break your heart for the people around you. And he hungers. And you have the same hunger that he has for people to come, to know him, to find the freedom and the joy that comes from him. Listen to these two statements from 2 Corinthians 5. The first one comes from verse 14. It says... For Christ's love compels us. And then it says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Get this. As though God were making his invitation, his appeal through us. The love and the compassion of Jesus will break your heart. It will. But it's this very brokenness that sweetens the joy, that sweetens the celebration when people come to him. Which leads us to our third thought today. Complete your joy. Pray like Jesus. Summer sermon. Very simple. Not complicated at all. We got to pray like Jesus. Prayer is the core of our relationship with God. It's essential for every Christian. In fact, two times in this passage, Jesus challenges us not just to pray, but to pray big prayers, to ask for big things, to dream big dreams for him. I want to put this one on the screen. This is John 15, verse 7. Jesus said, if you remain in me, that's a key, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And then John 15, 16 says this. Check this out. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so Jesus is our master, and he tells us whenever we ask for anything in his name, We get that thing, don't we? So it's kind of like he's our master card, isn't he? Yeah, we just ask for what we want and bam, here it is. Now here's the problem. If you've been following Jesus for a while, you know it doesn't work that way because God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we always pray them. In fact, this promise is repeated through other areas of scripture as well to pray in Jesus' name. That's why most of the people, when they pray, most of you when you pray, how do you end your prayers? You say, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, that's biblical. That's scriptural. And so, but Jesus, he's talking about more than just an addendum. It's talking about more than like a rubber stamp on your prayers to kind of get things through so that everything gets answered. He was actually referring to the customs of the day. You see, if there was a king or a landowner or someone who was wealthy, they constantly had to do business through other people. And something that was really, really important, a king or or a landowner, they would would use their signet ring and they they would ratify a contract by pressing that signet ring into the paper. Or maybe they didn't want to do that sometimes. They might take their valuable ring off and give them to a very trusted servant. So the servant knew that wherever they went, they were doing the master's business for them. They were coming in the name of their master. But, you know, if you've got a really nice ring, you don't want to hand it off to everybody. So most of the time, kings and leaders and powerful people, they would have other people do business for them and they would send them in their name. In other words, if you, were, if you were being sent in the name of your master or your boss, you don't get to ask for whatever you want. You're doing business for him. 
And so, in other words, when Jesus says, I want you to pray in my name, he's saying, hey, I want you to pray the prayers that I would pray. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens, friends. You remain in Jesus, and he's getting all in you. All of, all of his goodness, all of his grace, his love, it's flowing inside of you. It's transforming you, and his love and his compassion begins to break your heart. His joy begins to rise up inside of you. And here's what happens. His goodness comes out of you. You pray, you speak, you dream big, because he's changing you and moving through you. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying in behalf of Jesus. We're saying the same prayers of Jesus. So you remain in Jesus. His renewing work happens in you. And you pray his prayers. Think about this statement. Think about this. What if, what if prayer or your prayers were not just one of the ways that God chooses to move in your life and in the people around you. But what if your prayers were the primary way that God chooses to work through you? What if your prayers are the primary way that God wants to move in the lives of the people that you live with, that you rub shoulders with, that you know? Speaking of prayer, I've been inspired by my mama. She went to be with Jesus we celebrated her life last weekend. That's why I wasn't here. And so I know you're sad for me, but I'm glad for her. She's in heaven. It's party time. And you know how it goes. And we were cleaning out the house and packing up stuff. And I was at her desk and we were helping pack up stuff. And I just happened to notice this little book. It's the Jesus Person Pocket Promise Book. What a crazy name by David Wilkerson. 800 Promises from the Word of God. Yes, it was published in like 1970 or something. And I thought, oh, how cool is that? Because it's kind of worn. You can buy your own copy. They're available about $4.99. If you want mine, it's going to cost you about $10 million. <laughs> because here's what happened. I open this up. And I'm looking in here. And behind these verses, I see my name. My kids' names. My brother's names. Sister's names. My nephews and nieces. My family. And people I don't know. And she wrote down our names beside verses that she claimed for us because there's 800 promises from God's word in here. And, and then she put a date, just like a month in the year. And so there's decades of prayer in this book. And so now my siblings, they're watching this with me and they're going, Glenn stole the book. <laughs> I've got it. And I'm not getting it back. And mom, 800 promises aren't enough, so she had to add some to it. And so mom relocated to heaven. Her prayers are still guiding us. You know, joy marked her life. She lived with pain every day, but the joy of the Lord was her strength. You would never know that she was hurting. Me, I get a little headache and wah, 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 the world is ending. And mom, mom lived this out. She lived irrational generosity. Oh my gosh. The measure you use is the measure you choose. Oh, man. Her life was blessed beyond measure because she was a continual fountain of love and encouragement and prayer and blessing. And mom's prayers changed my life. I am who I am today because of her prayers. Maybe you've got someone in your life who you know has prayed for you. 
And you know what? God wants you to be that someone for somebody else. He wants you to pray his prayers. He wants you to speak his blessing and his grace and his goodness on the people in your life, your family, your neighbors, the people that you rub shoulders with. God wants to change their lives through you. Look, if my mom can do it, so can we. I mean, she could barely walk around the house bent over on the walker. <laughs> her, her physical self was pretty weak and kind of pathetic. But her spiritual self, I mean, she could squat a nation. Oh, my gosh. That's power, friends. And that same power lives inside of you. And so we can do it. All we got to do is just remain in Jesus. All we got to do is pray his prayers. I did it. I didn't break down. So there we go. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I want you to know, by the way, I'm so happy for my mom. <laughs> oh, my, the party's going on in heaven. Man, oh, man. Well, here at Union Chapel 2022, it's the year of the Bible. If you've been hanging around or you've been a part of things, you know that we're walking through the story. And the story, it's a book and a series of messages that kind of breaks down the Bible in chronological order. And we kicked this off back in January, February, and we just wrapped up the Old Testament back in the middle of June. And there's just been this thing that's happening. And the thing is God's presence and his power is moving more profoundly in this church. We've baptized more people in the first half of this year than we ever have before. That's so amazing. And, and you know what? That's just the Old Testament. We have more people attending. Look, it's summer. It's summer. And look at this room. There's people all over the room. There's more people tuning in online. Who would have thought that? Hmm. God's up to something. God's up to something. And we've just been going through the Old Testament. What do you think is going to happen when we start focusing upon the New Testament, when we start talking about Jesus, his life, his death, and how the apostles spread the good news of Jesus all over the world? It's going to break out. You think we've baptized a lot of people so far this year? You just wait and see what happens. You just wait and see what happens next. And guess what? You're a part of it. And it begins with your prayers because here's, here's what's going to happen. On September 11th, that's a Sunday. And on that Sunday, Pastor Greg, he's going to kick off the very first message as we close out the New Testament to finish out this year. And God is going to move in power. You know why? Because you're connected to him. Because you're believing what he wants to believe for the people in your life. And you're going to experience his brokenness. And you're going to experience his joy. It's going to be phenomenal. Yes, 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 yes. And at this church, we believe in prayer. In fact, uh, we're pulling together this thing called the Story Prayer Guide. And I know uh, we've got several people who've signed up for that already, but we're going to relaunch that again as we get closer. And so it'll have some specific prayers to pray that kind of tie along to the sermon thing. But here's something that we're adding. We're adding to that a specific prayer that you can pray for someone that you've invited to be a part of the story. Just a specific prayer you can pray for them every week. You can sign up for that. You can send us an email, info at unionchapel.com. That's on the screen there. And of course, hey, we actually have pens and paper here too. You can walk by the Welcome Center and like sign your name and email address and we'll sign you up for that. But the thing I want to talk about right now is this. It's the Story 555 prayer card. If you look around you, there's one in the seats around you, hopefully. If you can't find one, it might be in the bun warmer. So 
So find that. And of course, some of this is online as well. And look, this is just really simple. The reason it's got this weird name, the 555 prayers, is because we want you to remember this. Here's the goal. The goal is very doable. Pray for five people, five minutes a day, not 10 people, not 10 hours, five people, five minutes a day for five weeks, and then see what God does. Ask God to bless them. Ask God to move in their lives and see what happens in their lives and then see what happens in you. Because we believe, we believe that God's gonna change people in your life. We believe that you're the greatest advertisement ever for Jesus. And so as you invite people, as you pray for them, he's gonna do amazing things. And there's a space there where you can write down people's names. And we're gonna take some time to do that. Here's what I found. If I write things down, I'll remember them. And you might want to just ignore me right now and start writing down people's names. That's perfectly fine with me. No problem. My favorite statement on this whole card is on the back. Here's what we worry about. It's the very last sentence. The only way to mess this up is to not do it. Like, oh, I'm going to do it wrong. I'm not going to invite them correctly. They're going to misunderstand me. We play all these what ifs. And I'll tell you what, to be, all on, to be honest with you, someone's not going to take this all that great. That you know if you've loved them, you know if you've shared love. So we play these what if scenarios. What if, what if I mess this up? Look, you can't mess it up. The only way to mess it up is to not do it. And so we can play the what ifs in your mind, but this is the what if I want to leave you with. What if they say yes? What if they sit down with you right in your living room? What if they watch this series with you? What if they come with you and sit right by you in your chair? And what if their eternal destiny is changed? What if they're able to experience the joy of the Lord themselves for the first time in their lives? Now, that's a great what if, if you ask me. That's a powerful, meaningful, and amazing thing. And here's what we're going to do, friends. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust him together to move through us because we're not going to settle for the stuff, I almost said a bad word. We're not gonna settle for the stuff that the world provides because we want God. We want his joy. We're choosing him together. We're choosing him together. And so start praying now. Start praying now. Look, it's okay. I can't think of anybody. Look, if you get along with God, you get along with God, like turn everything off. You give him a few minutes. God will bring people to your mind. He will. Now here's the deal. You can't go, oh, my boss. Ooh, not my boss. Uh-uh. Can't do that. You got to write their name down as soon as they pop into your mind. So write that down. So don't settle for whatever the world is offering. Don't settle for half-hearted devotion to Jesus. Make your joy complete because Jesus has chose you and appointed you so that you might bear much fruit, fruit that will remain. So if you would just bow your heads and that's going to be a little weird. Open up your eyes. And I want to ask you to take out your phone or maybe you're, you've got a pen in your hand. You can actually write on this card that we've given you. That's fine too. If you, if you look on the Union Chapel app, you'll notice that uh, there's a space for you to write down people's names there and then you can just click send. It'll email it to you. But I wanted to challenge you. Take, you can send a text to yourself. Send an email to yourself. But take a few minutes just to think. Who are the people that God has placed in your life? that you're going to invite to be a part of this. And just write them down. I'll give you a little bit. Think about what God's going to do. Think about the love that they're going to experience. Think about the joy that you 
will experience. And so, Jesus, as we think about these names and these people, we ask that you would move in their lives. Jesus, thank you that you're releasing your heart in us. And as you bring people to our minds, Jesus, we promise to you, we promise to you that we're going to pray for them, that we're going to invite them. So we even begin praying right now, Jesus, start moving in their lives. Start preparing their hearts for that invitation, God. Give us courage. And Jesus, remind us of the best thing in life. And the best thing in life is knowing you. There's nothing like your freedom. There's nothing like your hope. And there is nothing like your joy, the complete joy that you offer. And so, God, thank you for giving us opportunities to invite them. And maybe, maybe you're with us today. Maybe you're in the room or joining us online and you re- you've made this realization. The reason that you haven't experienced this joy because you haven't offered yourself to him. Well, friend, you can do that right now. Sitting in your car, on the couch, or in this room, you can pray this prayer in your mind, dear Jesus. I don't have it all figured out. I know I've done wrong things, but I come to you right now. As much as I can, all that I can, I offer myself to you. I give you my sin, I give you my shame, and I give you all my success. I offer myself, all of me, all of me to you, Jesus. And so, Lord, forgive me. Make me whole. Release your joy in me so that I can shine your joy to others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, church, let's stand to our feet because we serve a God who is worthy of praise, don't we?